Welcome to the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I'm Jennifer Silliman, and this show is continuing the conversations started in the award-winning first-ever documentary film about maternal mental health. My journey as an advocate began through the power of storytelling. With this podcast, I hope to create a community of women and professionals sharing their own powerful narratives to let others know they're not alone and help is out there. Keep in mind that some of the stories you will hear may be triggering, but it's important they be told. This podcast is not a replacement for professional help from a licensed medical provider. If you or someone you know is suffering due to a maternal mental health condition, please contact your medical provider or call or text message the Postpartum Support International Helpline at 1-800-944-4773. Now let's continue the conversation. Hi there, everybody. It's Jennifer Silliman back with another episode of the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I am here with my friend today, Liz Colts. And I'm going to actually let her explain what she does um, for a living now, but she's going to actually share her personal story with us, her journey with perinatal um, mental health, anxiety, and kind of how that led to what she's doing today. So Liz, thanks for, thanks for jumping on with us today. Of course, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. So yeah, like Jen, I'm Liz Colts, and uh, my business is called The Anxious Adult. And the goal of The Anxious Adult is to help smart but overwhelmed adults manage the anxieties of business and life. I guess it comes from that I never wanted someone to not reach their big goals, whether it's professionally in an industry or being a business owner or just personal in life. I didn't want them to let like their anxiety, keep them from pursuing those big goals. I don't, I don't think the two are mutually exclusive that you can have a, that you live with a mental illness or, and that you can have a successful life and career. I think that you can do both. You just have to learn how to manage both. And I like to use my personal experience to inspire and help, you know, businesses and, you know, professionals alike, you know, reach those goals and find that balance. I, I, so we're only recording audio, but, um, when I'm doing these podcasts with my guests, just so all my listeners know, I can actually see them and where they are. And if you could see, and I might just take a screenshot so I can post it along with this podcast, but the amount of post-it notes on your wall <laughs> is absolutely fantastic. I love, I love it. I, I mean, I can't read different them, things but too. I just love the whole vibe. It's like so good. I also love post-it notes. I have them everywhere. Um, in fact, I have I'm a whole right like, in front bin. of me. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're totally going to have to take a screenshot of that. Um, okay. So yeah. So let's start in the beginning. Let's start about your experience. Um, with either pregnancy or postpartum. I don't I don't know that I'm very familiar with your story. So I'm actually sure. looking forward to hearing it myself. So go ahead. Absolutely. So um, it's actually funny because today is my oldest daughter's 11th birthday. <gasps> so that's like what started all of this. And like, I'm getting chills because it's a weird like, yeah, thing. And I think anyone's day, experiencing it. We've talked, about that. We've talked about that with other guests. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. Birthdays are, are exciting, but the day of the birth <laughs> – for mom right. and whole dad and family can mm-hmm. be very traumatic. So it's a weird feeling. 
It is absolutely. And like, it's mix of like, I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I guess, um, I have always been a very career driven person. I, you know, I went to, I got my undergrad, I got my master, I actually finished my master's degree and then had my daughter like three weeks later. So I've always had this drive where like, I was always going to work. I was never, ever going to be a stay at home mom. I was never going to do that. Just wasn't me. And, um, and then, you know, so my husband and I got married and a few years later we decided to start, you know, trying to have kids and, you know, so pregnant, all that whole lot of stuff, did all the things that I thought I could do to prepare. Like, you know, like, like, oh, okay, I'll eat the right things. I'll exercise, you know, all that stuff. And then, um, she ended up, like, I always tell her the story. She ended up being two weeks early. I had taken the two weeks off from before my due date, you know, to just start preparing for things. I had a, like a pedicure schedule that the cats were going to go to the vet, those types of things. I was going to actually pack my hospital bag wash baby clothes, all that. And my water broke the first day that I was told, you know what I mean? Like, right. Um, so I wasn't prepared. So I like, you know, all that type of stuff. And so, you know, we go to the hospital, my husband comes home from work, all, yada, yada, yada. And the birth isn't necessary. It's not, nothing traumatic happened during, it. you know, it was pretty, you know, easy, especially for, you know, first time it was 13 hours of labor, you know, you know, hour pushing, nothing significant and everybody was healthy and well and all that. But looking back, like what gets me is that, not the first night in the hospital, but the second night in the hospital, especially my husband didn't stay there that night, that like I remember trying to nurse my daughter and just crying and being like, what did we do to ourselves? Why did we do this? And that knowing now, that was probably the first sign that I was, something was wrong. But I, I hid it forever. Like to say like, and I'm going to jump back and forth. I didn't ask for help until I was, so my, my daughter was about 15, 16 months old. I was five months pregnant with my second, and um, I had a very, very scary experience with giving her a bath where I finally was like, I need to admit something's wrong. You know, so all that time when after she was born up and, you know, I was... I wasn't in love. I wasn't happy. I wasn't, you know, I was very lonely at times too. I, I found that like breastfeeding was very lonely because I would end up going in another room and I'll, everyone would come, had come to visit, but then I'd be off by myself. And, and I wasn't loving it the way that I thought I should. So I then immediately internalized that is that something's wrong with me and I am this monster. Like I couldn't wait to get back to work, which makes sense because also just the way I was, but I couldn't wait for anyone else to take care of her. Like I, like I, like I, I had a pedicure scheduled the day that she was actually born and I rescheduled, I ended up going like three, four weeks after she was born. And I remember the girl asking me like, you know, how, you know, how's it, you know, like, how's it going? Do you like, you know, being a mom or whatever? And I was just like, I'm just so glad someone else is taking care of her right now. Right. And she, but she gave me this weird look mm -hmm. like, huh. Okay. Yeah. And maybe if she was a veteran mom, she would have been like, yep, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but right. you know, so that was like the start of these like, um, like where I had to like cover up and lie. And like, you know, I remember feel like people would be like, oh, don't you just love being a mom? And I would be like, yeah, it's great with this fake smile. And, you know, I thought something was wrong with me. And, you know, it wasn't until, so like I was so depressed, completely following, you know, uh, depressed and anxious following um, her birth. And then also when I found out I was pregnant with my second daughter, like I, I think I sunk even further into depression. I remember crying, telling my daughter when I picked her up from daycare, when I confirmed I was pregnant, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, and she's, you know, an infant, you know, she's an right. infant, but she's, you know, a toddler. She had no idea what I was saying. Right. Um, 
but it wasn't, a, I had a very just scary incident, you know, with giving her a bath where I wasn't confident in my ability to ignore my intrusive thoughts. Cause I, that was something right. that I struggled with was intrusive thoughts. I didn't know what those were at the time. Um, I didn't like, so I was always like, I know that's bad and I, and I don't want to do that. And that scares me, but I was always worried that I would have that thing that would push me over the edge and I couldn't control it. Right. So that's when I finally decided to, that I had to like, I stood in the hallway crying and then I went and told my husband what just didn't happen, but like that I was right. worried would happen. And we went on this whole, like, you know, I went to my um, OBGYN who referred me to my primary care, who was like, here's a list of uh, therapists in the area. And, you know, and so I started therapy and I ended up starting meds um, about the beginning of my last trimester with my older daughter. And I'm still on the same ones today. I'm one of the lucky ones where the meds worked. Right. And they, like, you know what I mean? Right. And, for, like, I, and like I had to tweak them up and down, have some added things, you know, things, but um, I've been on the same meds for God, what, nine years now, which is, I know, very, very fortunate. But even so, so I went into that second birth um, being like, I'm not breastfeeding. That's too much on me. I told, I was telling every, you know, tell the nurses, I'm like, I am, you know, I had postpartum depression. I have this, I have a care plan, all this stuff. So I was ready. Like, you know, my, you know, my parents, you know, everybody knew I had a great supportive family. I still ended up, I ended up hospitalized in a psych ward three months after my second daughter was born. And like, it's like, it's like, he just can't win. I don't know. And, um, like it was, so, it was so scary because I was starting to hide my intrusive thoughts again. That was what the like trigger was because I didn't want anyone to know that I right. like failed again. I failed at maintaining my mental health or whatever, right. you know, like, and so it's just, and it's been this, you know, so it, a lot of just recovery and learning and up and down since then. And, um, so like, and all the time, so like as I've been now learning about my journey with mental health and what it really means to manage anxiety, and like I know for me that I really have to manage my anxiety, and if I don't, then I start to slip into a depression, and the depression part scares me more than anything in the world. So I I am really vigilant about managing my anxiety. So I would often, you know, and like I said, I've been very career driven. I've you know I would move up in my career and I'd have very like I'd have a lot of responsibility and it was exciting and like I liked it and it was stressful but I would often wonder like what if I just gave this up it would help me manage my anxiety better and every time I would think that I'd be like no I don't want that I don't want to give up these things I like it I like being a leader I like having this responsibility I like you know speaking and doing all these things so that's when I decided that I wanted to do both I wanted to have both and I just needed to learn how, what that looks like. So maybe, yeah, it's taken me a lot longer to get where I am right now because right. I was trying to figure it out. And so that has what has led me to creating The Anxious Adult and wanting to help other people realize they can do that too. Because one of the cruxes in my recovery was... Um, I had, I had both my daughters were born and I had, I can still see myself sitting on the table in my backyard and coming across um, a post from postpartum progress and just seeing a mom share her story, her experience. And like, even though I knew I wasn't, you know, a monster, but just hearing somebody else share it, mm -hmm. just, it made all the difference in the world. And that has what has really been the catalyst of everything I've done. I went on to, I did like a, a stage show for an organization called This Is My Brave. So yeah. I, I did an essay and I auditioned and like, you know, like if and like, it's always just been at my core. Like if I can, if sharing my story helps one person feel less alone, I'm all about it. I will tell you anything, you know, because 
that is what was the like, the catalyst for me to feel better. Right. So yeah, we don't talk enough about how what people really go through, even if you're not like sick, like right. parenting is hard. Being a mom is hard. Very hard. <laughs> even when you are a hundred percent well and with it and have all the support in the world, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's still, extru- no one prepares you for it. No book, no nope. person, no class, no nothing. <laughs> nothing. No, and that's shocking. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that it really is. is. Shocking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I need to go to Target. Okay. We have to do it in four hours because right. I have to, the baby, the baby had to have just had eaten, you know, had diaper changed, all this stuff. Right. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, and even for us, because I mean, I, I find you to be very a type personality, a personality like myself. And I, and I think you put even more pressure on yourself when you're like, I have this, like I got, I can multitask. I got this all together. Like motherhood's mm-hmm. going to be so simple. I, I can, I can organize stuff. I can like, I can do this. And I don't think we ever take into account the sleep deprivation and the new noises that you hear in your house and the, like all those other external things that we don't really think about. And it's so interesting. Um, because a couple, um, oh gosh, I guess it was just a few months ago, um, I had posted on Facebook that I was like giving up, like I was hanging up my entrepreneurial hat, like I was done. And you probably read that, I'm sure. And then, <laughs> and, and you sound so much like me because I, I was one, I should have reached out to you. I'm one of those people that really, I was unable to manage my anxiety against all these things that I wanted to do. And I'm a very creative person. And so I was always coming up with, I mean, I would dream about ideas and then wake up and and produce them literally, like whether it's a website or whatever it is. And, you know, and I want to talk about more of this with you too, but I don't, because I don't know your situation, but for me, I ended up being diagnosed then with bipolar, um, not realizing that my entire life I had lived in a manic state. And it, and it, it, I had done it for so long that I thought that that was normal. Like this was okay. And then when I had my, um, my breakdown in 2017, that's when I had all my intrusive thoughts about hurting my daughter came back again. And I hadn't had those since she was young. I mean, since she was an infant. So to have them as her being bigger, like it was just really weird. So I mean, sure. I I could only I could only hide those for a day, and then I was like, this 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 needs to get fixed because this is not good. And right. luckily, I was already seeing a therapist or a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. and that's when she was like, based on your history and your family history, uh, I definitely think that you're bipolar and you're just, you're going a hundred miles an hour and your body was finally like, nope, you know, we're done. Like we crashed and we're done. And for me, that crashing looks like intrusive thoughts and just really scary things. So, um, so yeah, but I still have that, hence the podcast, um, Mm -hmm. still have that drive to like want to do things, right. And Mm -hmm. want to, you know, just wanting to do things. And so for me on my own, I found that balance where, you know, I can do this from home. It's just talking. It's not like getting ready to be on camera and doing a show and like all of those things. So I, I, I luckily found that balance and very unsure as to why I never came up with the idea of doing a podcast based off our documentary. 
I don't know. I guess now was just the right time to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes that's it. Sometimes that's it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm curious to know, because you said you're still on your meds, and I will, and I always put in the beginning of all these podcasts that neither one of us are a a medical physician or doctor. And so when we talk about medicine or diagnoses, we're simply Mm -hmm. talking about it from our own personal experience. But you said you're still on meds. And so I'm curious to know, were you diagnosed with something or or that? Okay, so go ahead. Yeah, so I was diagnosed with um, major depressive disorder as well as generalized anxiety disorder. So I was, and I'm you know, fully up. So I was put on Prozac at the time, you know, and still am because um, I was pregnant, and that was the one that had been around the longest. And right. they were confident that that would have, you know, little to no side effects on the fact of my child or whatever. Um, so I was on Prozac, and I was also, um, I am also still on. I do Klonopin every once for like a. Um, like when my anxiety really peaks and nothing like my daily management stuff or like my it really helps. But, right. um, you know, so I've, those are the meds I've, I've taken them for years, <laughs> you know, and they've, I've gone up and down in the dosages. Um, I was on Abilify for a little while too, right after my hospitalization um, because they thought that that might help, you know, get me back in control or something, you know, right. and, and it's always been like, and I think meds work for some people. They don't work for others. And you know, like some, some people it's like, I just have to exercise and eat right. And it works. Like, I think that's the, almost the hard part of trying to manage anything is really knowing yourself and what will, what will work for you. And and that you have to do that trial and error. I know for me, like when I was first put on meds and I was like, I'll be off these in a year, because like you had said, the type A, I mean, I'm like, I'm going to fix this and this is done and I'm going to, I'm going to beat it and it's done and it's great. And, um, but that is, it took me a while to accept that. Like I had to be on meds forever. I have to be on meds forever. Um, now I'm fine with it. Like, you know, it doesn't even phase me, but I use, and then I would go through phases where like, if I needed Klonopin to manage my anxiety that day, then that I was beating myself up over that, you know? So it, it's this big, you know, and it's not easy. And I imagine that I have been like looking back and no, fully knowing what anxiety and depression are now. I've had this since my teens, yeah. you know, like, but I just didn't know, didn't know that like, you had said like, you're like, this is normal. And like, I remember the first time when the, the Prozac finally kicked in, I was like, Oh, this is how I brains are supposed same to work. Experience. This like, is um, what it is. I don't know. I'm feeling like I'm not really getting a lot done and I'm a little lazy. I don't really care. Like, is that like, is this, is this how everyone else lives? Is this how everyone feels? Because for me, I would just look at those people and be like, why can't you get this done right now? Why are you just sitting around doing nothing? You know? It's so it's so interesting. Um, I found that to be something I struggled with for quite some time. It's only really in the like last probably year or so that I have come to accept that I am not living in that manic state. And it's really been kind of beneficial for me to know about very creative people that actually are were bipolar and, and and created some of their best things when they were in that manic state, which I found so interesting, like Beethoven and a lot of artists mm-hmm. and things like that. And that's kind of like where all this stuff came. But you can't, I mean, it's like driving a thousand miles an hour and just never stopping. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do that with everything else that was going on, you know, in mm-hmm. my world. Um, and then your body, like we said earlier, just crashes, it shuts down and it, that manifests itself and differently in everybody, you know, from right. the intrusive thoughts. So, and I think it is very true that people don't know, one, people don't know when they need professional help. You know, can I just manage this with 
you know, eating better and exercising, you know, um, you know, and so I think, I think a lot of, I always would tell moms, if you're in this state for like two or more weeks, you need to go see somebody because it's probably more than baby blues or, you know, or it's not just a down day. It's not just, yeah. But Mm -hmm. I would love for you to talk about, um, if you're comfortable talking about it, the, the, when you knew you had to be hospitalized or when someone knew, like what, what was the state around your hospitalization? Cause you went in with it such with on medication with a plan told everyone, you knew, and then three months later you're hospitalized. What did that look like? Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm totally open about talking about anything. So any, so, um, so yeah, I had my daughter in March or yeah, that's was in March. And then I was hospitalized beginning of June. So it's just about three months. But anyway, um, so I, I was still, I, I went back to therapy a couple weeks after my daughter was born. She was born five weeks early, but perfectly fine. Everything was, you know, and so just a little shock that like she was earlier than we expected. And, um, you know, I was continuing my meds. I was seeing my therapist. I was seeing a psychiatrist as well. And um, I was starting to have intrusive thoughts like, you know, and if anybody wants a trigger warning, this is just it for what, you know, just describing some of the intrusive thoughts. Um, but like I would um, worry about that I would take the plastic bag of the diapers to, and put it over her head and like, or like grab a knife and stab, like, like I couldn't see, an, I didn't want to see a knife, things like that. Like it was just, right. those are what they Same were. Here. I had the knife yeah. one too. Yes. <laughs> very common. Knives, drowning, suffocation. Those are very common, very common intrusive thoughts. Yes. And that's what, you know, those were, they, so I, um, so I was starting to have those again. And I think that a month or two earlier, I started to have them and I said something I'm like, oh, you know, I, and then so my psychiatrist upped my meds. And then I, I remember having my therapy appointment and, in the evening and um, I had said to my therapist how I was having these intrusive thoughts again. She's like, well, did you call um, your psychiatrist? And I was like, no. She's like, why not? I'm like, because I don't want them to increase my meds again. And I don't want anyone to know. And she was like, hard stop. She's like, what do you think about us hospitalizing you right now? I'm like, excuse me. Well, I was just like, yes. Like it was was almost like I needed somebody to say it. Like I would have never admitted it myself. um, But I needed somebody to say, wow, this is not good right now. Um, and so like, like I called my husband and like I sat there in the therapist's office like waiting for him to come pick me up. We had to rearrange um, who would have my other okay, daughter. Right, and, right. you know, we went to the emergency room. Like, uh, and like I, still, I can still see it. And that like I walk into triage and they're like, what's your emergency? I'm like, I'm having thoughts of hurting my daughter. And they just put a big X through the page and they're like, come on in here. Like they didn't even like, ask me any questions. They didn't. It was just like, oh, we got you. And like, you know, they just like, and like I, so like, you know, that was, I think I didn't get seen by the psychiatrist till like, I think it was three or four in the morning, you know, like sleeping on a thing in the hallway. And like, I remember like, it must've been terrifying for my husband because I started like convulsing and things. And like, I, I, I was just, I think I was breaking down. I had tried to hold it together for so long. And then I was finally like either given the permission or whatever, like this is, this is what you, you know, you need. And, um, so yeah, I was hospitalized. So I, it was just, it's an experience I've never, ever, ever had. I haven't had since, you know, and I think most, a lot of people haven't, um, but you know, locked ward, like they took all my stuff. Like you didn't have, like there, there weren't like plastic bags in the garbage cans. It was paper bags. It was all like, you know, somebody like they supervise while they don't watch your shower, but they supervise, you know, like shower times and they, they like, what are your meals? It was just, it was very bizarre like to me because I had never had that that. right so what was your schedule like in there I think people want to know and I would love for you to share what I mean okay so 
you know, you're, you're obviously you're put in, you know, the same sort of area where the psychiatric patients are. Mm -hmm. And so what, what, how long, how many days were you there? I was there for five days. Five days. Okay. So they did, did they do like a, like a five day, they do, it has like a term and I, right now it's 72 hours is the like norm. So then I was like, oh, I must've been super, super bad because they kept me five days. Like bad. I mean, like, you know, I was right. Cause I I did, I ended up coming out of the hospital, the uh, the diagnosis of postpartum psychosis. Okay. So like that, like, so, you know, and obviously all this time, you know, I can remember and back things or whatever, but. I wasn't always because I, I know at one point I was starting to hear voices a little bit. Okay, um, like, all right, hallucinations like and things, you know, things of yeah. those nature. All so that things. coupled with the um, intrusive thoughts and hiding what I was feeling, like right. bad combination. Um, so yeah, so like the first day the, in the hospital, I think I probably took a nap because I had like you know been up for hours and hours and hours. But like I got up and and the type A in me, I was like, people are going to classes. I want to go to classes, and right. they're like, they're like, right. whoa you have to like be here for 24 hours before and they have to like assess you and make sure you can go to arts and crafts. And I was like, I was dying because I'm like, I need to do things. I need to do things. I need to fix this, make it better. Um, Like they let me go to like one like support group or whatever. And you know, not not whatever, but like, so like, they're like, you can go to this one if you really want to go to something, Um, but you can't leave the floor yet or anything like that. So it would be, it would be um, like, they would take your menu the day for the next day of what you wanted for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they control, like you were only allowed to have one cup of coffee a day. Um, and you weren't allowed to have, like, I couldn't have my phone. I didn't have, you know, I had a, I had a book. I had a journal. Um, I had my own clothes, things like that. You know, they let you, like, where you know, I was able to wear my own clothes. So I had, like, you know, sweats and all the good comfy stuff or whatever. Right. Um, and it's basically, it was like this big, like, like a, like a, it was a circle. How So they had, like, a glass station in the middle that was, the, like, the nurse's station. And then like, there was one room where we would eat like eat your meals and you could just hang in there and like play cards or read magazines or whatever. And they had a small TV room and then every, and there were um, probably I'd say 10, 12 um, like dorm room type right. things there. And that's so why I shared the room with another woman who, you know, who had been there for a couple months. Um, so everyone there has this wide variety of different things. Right. And I would, I would see therapists, I would see social workers, I had a call with my psychiatrist, you know, all these types of things. And after like, I'd say about 24 hours, they started letting me go to classes. (laughs) So like, I would go like they had like a um, arts and all I remember is arts and crafts. I know there were a bunch of they they didn't pack your day. But they did have things, you know, because I think they wanted to make sure that you were progressing too like they, they made sure like 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 some people like wouldn't shower like you need to shower and i'm like i want to shower every day that's right, what I, you know right. like, so there's just things that are you know now i know now like they're good indicators of how you're mentally feeling how you're doing like, right you want to take care of yourself and whatnot um and i and like i because i've had this amazing support system throughout like i had visitors all the time now the, but like they had visiting hours and um so like i had people that i had my parents came my you know my friends came you know stuff like that which is it, and it was such the di- like the the contrast because like I had all the support but then there were people there that nobody came and and, and I think it's that's just a whole I mean we get that's a whole other topic of right. disparity it was such and a difference in your recovery and healing right. process when you have a support system and people that care I mean it makes Absolutely. a huge difference huge mm-hmm. difference so um so what was your medical treatment like I mean did, so you continued on your same meds did they introduce new meds did they try different like or did they just keep everything the same and just felt you just needed to be somewhere for a few like what was their they ended up so I ended up so I was on Prozac when I went in and like 
I had, I think I was at the, I was at like the top of the dosage of that when I went in and like, I, I still like, I know that like something wasn't right. Like the day before we had gone to a zoo and I was like dizzy and I was just all like, it wasn't all over the place. Yeah. You know, like it was all over the place. Um, so then in the hospital, they ended up, they kept me at the high dose that I was, but added a Bilify, which I don't quite know what, I don't know if it like, is something that like increases the effects of the Prozac. That's, that was always the way I understood it. I don't know if it, you know, I don't, I don't, I am not a doctor at all. (laughs) But I do believe that is what it does. Yes. Um, So there was that, and there was also something, I was on something kind of like, because I was really, I've never been diagnosed like uh, bipolar or manic or anything, but I was really, I had a lot of like, it just felt very manic. So they, they they died. I don't know what, I don't know what they gave me at the time. It was something to like really take me down a couple of notches because I was, I, but I remember the first like night I was home, like doing laps in the living room because I couldn't sit still and I couldn't like, I was like, it's restless legs. I'm like, you know, looking back, it is not restless legs. Right. It was, just, I was, right. yeah. Um, so that, that was, and like, I had to, you know, I had to see my, you know, psychiatrist like the next day when I got out and like, and so like, the, the, the meds were adjusted and then we kept, you know, I was seeing my psychiatrist more regularly than I had been before to make sure that everything was balanced, right. you know, and that things were working. So I eventually was able to taper off the Abilify um, after, it was probably a while. I don't, you know, I don't remember how long. I want to say like maybe a year, year and a half. Yeah. Because um, I want, and then, you know, and then we stuck with, and I think I tried to taper down my um, Prozac from there, but I, like, I'm, I'm at that dose right now. I've been at it for, oh God, years and years now. Like, you know, and I'm just like, meh. I'll just, I'll just keep it at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like why, why monkey, why with, monkey it? with it? And I just tried to monkey with mine like <laughs> two months ago. <laughs> yep. No, I mean, if I can give anyone advice out there, don't monkey around with your meds. If it's working, it's right. working. Just let it work. Yeah. Let it work. And like, I think that that's always like, I, I'll sometimes I get back to that, like, but what if I don't need meds and I can do it without it? But like, why, why, why? Bother? why? Right. Why? Was there why? a moment when you were in the hospital that you felt, uh, was there like that? moment where you're like okay now I feel like I feel better like this is this is where I'm supposed to be or was it like afterwards when it was always like while I was there I was like at first I was like wow I like like I was I would like compare myself to other people and I'm I'm not like that bad or whatever but like because and I think it was about halfway through where I was like I did actually really need to be here because I needed to just be plucked out of my daily life and not allowed to do anything like you know like I so I, I like it was like a Monday I think and so I'd gone to work all day and then I was in the, and then I like I called my supervisor to say that I would not be coming back for a week where but like no not the projects I led nobody knew what you know they were just like oh Liz, Liz is gone for a week <laughs> like, right you know? right um and but I had to just everything had to just stop and I think that was the first time that I realized that like work doesn't matter and work's always been the big like trigger, trigger of yeah. mine that like work doesn't matter and, I, and I, I'd like to say that that was the last worst thing I had you know that I never like let work get you know get to me but it wasn't you know I've had you know up you know up again I had to like take two weeks off from work a few years ago because I just got to this place again um I don't know, but like I, I definitely needed to be there. It was weird at first, but like, and looking back, like I absolutely needed to be there. So like, it's, you know, I was, I guess I'd be, I'm impressed with my therapist and just seeing that and knowing that combination. And I guess that's why it's really important to have, seek professional help because your family might be like, eh, maybe it's okay. I don't know if we want to call anybody or whatever, but like 
the the therapist was like, oh, no, yeah, hard stop. What a great this therapist. I mean, that right. because, yeah, some therapists, I'm sure, are just even scared to even make that recommendation, you know? Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah, I mean, so that's... I, I love that because it's hard. It's we don't typically hear of medical providers that are actually giving the right information mm-hmm. out or making you know those decisions when they're listening to a patient. You know, say certain things without saying them because that's really kind of what you know you said. You're like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have said it, but she said it, and I just needed somebody else to say right. it. Um, yeah, because I was a big liar. Like, all, yeah. you know what I mean? Because that, I remember why, before I even started meds, my psychiatrist was like, because I, I feel like I had almost convinced her, and she was that, that, like, I was fine that I didn't right. need meds. Right. And then she was like, she's like, I think you're stoic. She's like, I think that you, you know, and I'm like, yeah, Yeah. I'm a big liar. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. We get all this practice with it, hiding everything, right? (laughs) I mean, we get really good at it, putting a smile on and just pushing, you know, whatever it is and just showing up the way people expect us to show up. I mean, that that becomes, you know, very easy for us and to no do and manipulate other people and believing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. people get smart. I mean, the people around us will do. I mean, my husband, husband. like, you can see right through that. Be like, yeah, oh. no, you are depressed. <laughs> you are not just having a lazy Sunday. Like, something's happening here. Um, my husband does it. It's like, he sees it before I even see it. Like, I, I feel like he can see that, like, you know, my anxiety is going to get peaked up. He'll be like, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing. No, I promise nothing's wrong. Like, you know, like, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, maybe. maybe then, but it, it makes me check in with myself too. It'd be yeah, like, exactly. Maybe I am actually even lying to myself. On. Maybe something is going on or whatever. Yeah, he's been the best barometer. For right. This. I know. We get, we're blessed to have people like that in our life um, to kind of call it out before it happens. So let's, you know, let's talk about, about your business. And I'm curious to know, you know, what are, what, you know, what professions or what kind of clients you, you work with and what, what does sure. that look like? So it's been like, it's this, it's been a lot. And I think you will identify with this, this like figuring out what it is because like my family and I, we moved from New York to North Carolina um, summer last year. And with that, I decided to, I'm like, I've always wanted to have my own business be entrepreneur, and do and this type of thing. So I, you know, I had a state job, you know, in New York. So that was very secure, you know, and, but it was, killing me. Um, and I took this opportunity to, I'm like, I want to do my own thing. So I, I did continue doing some you know, government consulting because that's what I know because I need to make money or whatever. Um, but I've, I've ha- I had had the anxious adult domain for like four or five years and I just kept renewing it every year and I would try to do things with it and whatever. And like, I, and I've, so I've been, so the last like almost year now is me really trying to figure out the things that I love and then also how I can help people because I Never, I I would be terrified to be a medical professional. My sisters are both nurses, and my mother's a social worker. That is the most terrifying. Those are the most terrifying jobs to me because, like, and police officer, all I can't, I can't have someone's life in my hands. I'm like, I have the paper. Um, <laughs> so since I can't be that, I don't want to be that medical professional. But I have had these experiences, and I'm so open about talking about them. Like I've been trying to mesh together how like looking at my career and like, what are the things, how did I get myself into that overwhelming state and how did I, you know, and what can I do to help people get out of there or or get, so what I've been doing is helping business, like like if if a client is a business instead of like a person in a business, it is helping them either document their processes, finding efficiencies in the processes that they have, like really like helping them delegate, especially like at a CEO level, like help them delegate, get out of their business so that they don't have to be in everything because work doesn't matter. I mean, it does, but like it, it's, it's, so if you can take that, 
I'd learn to delegate, take all that stuff, all that stuff I was really bad at. Right. <laughs> people do it. And then on the more like personal side or people that are like professionals, it is helping them figure out what, you know, like what's important to them. Like I'm working on, I've, been, I've had it in my head. I've used it. I've been, I've used this process. I call it the level set your life process for years with a lot of my trying to focus. I've had, I've had I have so many goals and I, what do I focus on first or so many things I need to fix. So like I have this process where it's like a really like systematic way of going through and figuring out what is really important to you, you, not, you know, your parents, not your husband, not society or whatever, so that you can focus on that. And then coming up with, um, a solution to like take action now. Like, what are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do in a week? What are you going to do in 90 days? Things like that. So I am working on actually making that into a course. Nice. But I, you know, oh, okay. yeah, it's, it's, so because like, because I always, I struggle with the, I'm really comfortable on the business side and helping business do businessy things. But I also, when I get into the personal side, even though I love to share my story and love to inspire other people, I get nervous. Like, going into that like medical realm because right. I'm, that's not, I am not that. Yeah. <laughs> not right. So like, that's where and it, it's been like, it's, it's been fun to try to like figure out what it looks like. Cause sometimes I'll, I'll take on a project and then I'll be like, eh, we'll finish out this project, but I don't like this. This right. isn't it. Right. And I think that, that, you know, I'm trying to create the life that I love and that I want it to be so that I don't feel like I, I don't want to get trapped in that like work stress again. Right. So I'm well, trying to be really conscious of how I build it. Exactly. And I think that's probably across the board. I mean, I really think that people overall don't want to be, you know, have work to be some form of stress for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously finding something you love to do and let and turning that into your, mm-hmm. you know, your work or your whatever is a great place to start. But we know not everybody has that luxury. You know, some people just have to work wherever to make money, you know, to, mm-hmm. you know, live. And so how do you, yeah, how do you do that? I love it. I love everything about the, the idea about, the anxious, like I love the whole premise of the entire thing. So I really do hope that you come out with like a course or something like that, a workbook. Like I'm seeing a workbook. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I have a workbook created. I have a oh script created. I just haven't actually recorded it. Oh my gosh, you haven't like, recorded like, it. I haven't done this yet. Yeah. And like, I even like, I know, and I, and I know that like I have like Kajabi all set up. I could have, I, I could probably release it in a week if I just did it, oh. but it just, it's. <laughs> I love it. Well, I am going to be on you girl about really- Okay. Because yeah, Paula, go ahead. Harass I me. mean, it could it could be helping so many people. I am such I a workbook, like tangible workbook, like mm-hmm. work through it. Fillable, or you could print it out. I did all that work. I did- oh, girl, come on. We need. Salad, we, I know. We need to. Do you have a name? Do you have a name for it? It's the level set your life. It's a is, that, is the name level of the set your life. Level set your life. Yep. And I I've, I've already that. been brainstorming level set your business. So that oh. I can tie. I, I've been. I know. I already own the domains. I I I need to just you pull the trigger. So, we are so the same person. <laughs> I would come up when I told you I'd come up with those ideas. Like I dream about an idea, mm-hmm. and like in that dream there would always be like a really like catchy name, and I would immediately yep. wake up and go on GoDaddy and be like, "Is mm-hmm. the URL available? <laughs> if it is, right. that's okay. It's eleven dollars. I'm just gonna buy it for a year and see if anything." Right, I, I had the adult for eons, for you know what I mean, and like, yeah. and even still now, like, and then trying to figure out because I know with to be successful in business, people have to know like what they're. So they'll be like, you're the anxious adult, but you're helping us with our business processes. I'm like, I'm figuring it out. I, I don't know. know. 
<laughs> I know, I know. And but you know what? That, but that's what like holds us back. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, you just have to go for it. I mean, just messy action. It. That's what I've been trying. Like somebody was like, "There's not much on your website." I'm like, "I know. I just wanted it out there." Right. I and then and then be like, "Bye, hater. I don't care." Right. <laughs> like you know, I'm like, I do have clients. I you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm like these are like clients of potential clients. That's what that is. Like you know what I mean? Even though <laughs> there is a better way to do that, right. but that's that's what these post-its are. Yeah. You know, it's like these are my active clients. These are my potentials. Like you know, and it's just you have to just do it and which is hard when you have anxiety and stuff it is really hard when you have anxiety that's why i love the whole premise of it because i think i think there probably are a lot of people out there that have ideas things that they want to do i mean even if they're not an entrepreneur but maybe they want to you know shift careers or want to do something else and it's and it's their anxiety or something that's holding them back from doing that um, there are ways around that and there are ways mm-hmm. to do both. Like you said, it, was, it yeah. can have a, a mental illness or just have, mm-hmm. you know, anxiety or medicated or not or whatever and right. still be all of these things. It just, it takes a little work to kind of figure out what that game plan looks it like. And, mm-hmm. But it sounds like you're the one who helps people come up with that game plan. Yes. Cause wow. I have done it so I many times for myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, like I have my MBA, I, you know, I had gained, lost 75 pounds and then gained back for the COVID, but whatever. <laughs> but like, you know, like, and like my family, we don't know anybody in North Carolina. We just had decided we wanted to move here. Like we were in this, in the, so we up and moved away from our family. They hate that. But like, right. you know, we wanted to have, a, we wanted to trade, you know, chase this different life. Yeah. And we're taking all so that's why I was like, I'm starting this business now too with this big move. Cause yeah. why not? Because we're doing everything scary right now. Yeah. Let's do it all. Just do it all scary. Everything's scary. We're just doing right now. <laughs> well, I think it's Pandemic, no big deal. I think, <laughs> I think it's I think it's awesome. I'm super excited. I can't wait to watch where this all goes for you because I think it's gonna be, help a lot of people. I really thank do. You. Yeah. Thank you. I need I need the push, the encouragement. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Well, now you're gonna hear from me every day. So good for you. <laughs> That's you're fine. gonna get sick of me. Um okay. Well, Liz, oh my gosh, this was such a good conversation. I I so appreciate you being so open and candid about your experience. Um, I just think it's so important to share our story and because we know that it not only helps other people and families, it's we know it saves lives. We know people get treatment Absolutely. and um and you know, are alive because of it. I mean, it's, it's that, it's just how powerful and impactful our stories are. So I appreciate you sharing yours with us today. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been great.